0: Overtime games highlight the Big 12 slate as we head down the home stretch of the regular season in college basketball. What's up? I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports is the site, is the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us. And if you are just getting started, hit that thumbs up right below you on YouTube. We appreciate you doing that and being a part of it. And subscribe and leave us that five-star rating on iTunes. So you had a couple of great, overtime games on Saturday in this league. You had number 2 Houston going on the road beating number 11 Baylor 82 to 76 and Bedlam went to OT and ended on a buzzer beater with the Sooners coming out with an 84 to 82 road win and there were also upsets and surprises around the conference on Saturday. So let's dive right into it here and let's start with the game of the day. That was one of the overtime games, and that was Houston beating Baylor 82-76. to So Houston was running away with this game. I mean, the first half was all Cougars. I thought about turning the game off. But Baylor, like always happens in this league, Baylor made a run, and it put together an impressive second-half run, and they were able to force overtime in this game. Unfortunately for Baylor, Houston proved to be just a little too much. And that's what Houston has done all year long. They wear you down as a team. They grind it out. They're going to play tough. They're going to play physical. But what's interesting is when you look at this game in particular, Baylor beat Houston on the boards. And that's not something I would have predicted before this game started. And and if you tell me Baylor wins the rebounding battle by like ten against Houston, I would have thought you know what this game is going to be all Bears. Bears are going to pull off uh, the victory against the Cougars, but that's not what happened. And in large part, what stung Baylor the most in this game: nineteen turnovers. I I mean that just that was the difference right there. Houston was plus eleven in turnovers. It's just horrible. I mean, you look at you know some of the turnover numbers for Baylor, and you sit there and you say to yourself, "My goodness, Dennis had eight, Uh, Misi had four. I mean, multiple guys had two or more turnovers. Everybody in the starting lineup, outside of none, had at least a couple of turnovers for the Baylor Bears. You're not going to beat Houston doing that. It's just too tough. But you got to give Baylor credit because they're down like 15 points to start the second half. And what ends up happening? They go on this run right out of the break, and they get that lead down to, I want to say it was like three to five points with 15 minutes left. And from there, they just kept chipping away. But it was really that five-minute stretch to open up the second half that made you think that Baylor was going to get itself back into this game. And then they had another burst really in the final four to five minutes of this game when things started to turn around as well. And Jalen Bridges, he led the way. The guy had a big three-pointer, free throws, rebounds. He was all over the place. Uh, I I credit that final stretch where Baylor closed the gap in the final few minutes on the back of Jalen Bridges. Uh, That's how good he was. He was all over it. Um, But Baylor ends up coming up short. Now, for the NCAA tournament, it's not a big deal. Both these teams are obviously solidly in and they're both in position to make the big dance and obviously be a top four seed. That's expected for both teams. But in the Big 12 conference race, this keeps Houston one game ahead of Iowa State right now. So that was big from that perspective as well. And for Baylor, it really takes them out of the Big 12 race. They're now three games back. But if they had won that game, I mean, they would have been right in the mix. Game, game and a half back, whatever it would have been. So... It was really more of a deal for the conference championship race for the regular season than it was anything else. Now, the other overtime game, Oklahoma beating Oklahoma State 84-82. Now, it is terrible that Bedlam has to go. I hate that Bedlam has to go. I don't want Bedlam to go anywhere in football, in basketball. I hate this for both of these teams. I hate this for the state. I hate it for college sports. But this is what money does in college sports. It oftentimes, I don't want to say oftentimes, but sometimes screws up what makes the sport great. And this is one of those examples. And you know, JV and McCollum, step back, corner three. It's a bad shot, by the way. Let's be very clear. It's a terrible shot by JV and McCollum. The guy was one of eight from three-point range before that three-point attempt. Contested, fade away, nearly stepping out of bounds on the left sideline. Nothing about that is like Porter Moser saying, boy, great shot there, JV, and that's really what we were going for. But sometimes you don't apologize. You take it, you run with it, you take the win, and you move on. And OU, if they had lost that game, listen— Oklahoma's in a position right now, when you look at the NCAA tournament, they're in. Lenardi has them as an eight seed right now in the Midwest, so you'll take that. But if they had lost that game, uh, there would have been some more questions there around what exactly this OU team is. But they pull off this victory um, in stunning fashion on Javion McCollum's dramatic three-pointer as time expired in overtime. They snapped their two-game losing streak, which they desperately wanted and needed to do. And they did it going into a brutal stretch because OU goes to Iowa State and then hosts Houston the next couple of games. So they needed this win, if nothing else, to get something under their belts, rebuild that confidence, going into a very difficult couple of games. Oklahoma State is obviously on the outside looking in, uh, but OSU had won two in a row before this game. So let's not forget, Oklahoma State had won a couple of games. They were in a good position uh, to win this game. Frankly, they probably should have won this game. Should have probably won it in regulation. But, you know, uh, they can't get it done. It's a young team. And if Mike Boynton can keep these guys together, then you know what? Next year, I don't want to say they're going to win the Big 12 or anything crazy like that, but they're going to improve. And they're going to be capable of being a team that can certainly compete night in, night out and should be able to find themselves in the big dance next year. But next year's going to be it for Mike Boynton, and frankly, that's all he deserves. Uh, meantime, you look around this conference and the other games, uh, you had Iowa State beating West Virginia 71-64 in a game where the Mountaineers were like 18-point underdogs. I took the Mountaineers in this game. I just thought it was way too big of a number. Um, and the Mountaineers, you know, listen, they held their own. Now they got crushed when they came to turnovers. 23 turnovers for the Mountaineers, ultimately, is what cost them this game. But they played hard. They played tough. Um, they outshot Iowa State from downtown, and and they outshot them from the floor in general. So you give them a lot of credit for doing that on the road at Hilton Coliseum. Now, Iowa State's 16-0 at home, so uh, they are just unbelievable on that home court in front of that crowd. But West Virginia kept it interesting, and, uh, you know, for all that Josh Eilert has stepped into with this team. And I don't think he's going to be able to keep this job. But heck, they beat UCF last week. They kept it close at Hilton. You know, they've had some performances where you say, hey, you know what, Uh, this team can play. They have players. I mean, that's not, you know, even debatable. But um, unfortunately for them, a loss, a loss. Iowa State, with the win, stays one game back of Houston in that uh, race for the Big 12 title. And Iowa State is a three seed in the East in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. That's the bracket that right now has North Carolina and UConn also above them as the uh, one and two seeds. So you look around this conference, Kansas takes care of Texas, 86-67. Kevin McCullough not playing in this game is really the big story. And more so the story after the game when Bill Self says, Kevin McCullough is not going to play Tuesday against BYU. He is um, week to week. And when you heard Bill Self talk after the game, he basically said, I want him ready for March. He was thinking about the second week of March madness is what he basically implied. Like sweet 16 games. That's when he wants... Maybe not Sweet 16 games, but just the NCAA tournament in general is when he wants Kevin McCullough back from this bone bruise that he's been dealing with on his knee. Now, the good thing for Kansas is they're getting some some good action from their younger guys and from their bench and quality minutes. Timberlake keeps getting better. I mean, I've been pretty impressed by um, Nick Timberlake. He had 13 points. He was able to drive the hole. He got to the free throw line a lot in this game. Uh, you're still seeing some improving minutes. I mean, heck, thinking about a guy um, you know, that made his presence felt, Jamari McDowell, had some valuable minutes off the bench. So Kansas showed itself. It's not a very deep team. We know that. We've talked about it all year. But if this is one of those situations where KU goes into the tournament with their bench guys having a little more confidence because mccullough has been out, then that's something that's going to work in their favor. So it was a big win over Texas, and Texas is struggling right now. They're 6-8 and eight in league play. But when you look at things uh, for Texas, you know, they're still an eighth seed in the West. According to Joe Lennardi. he's still got them there. Now, they're not playing very good basketball. And it's just, uh, you know. They win, they lose, they win, they lose. They haven't had a two-game winning streak in well over a month at this point when they beat Baylor and Oklahoma in back-to-back games. So it's up, down, up, down, up, down for Rodney Terry's team overall. But um, I think it's still a tournament team. But, heck, in this league, who knows? The schedule for Texas at Texas Tech on Tuesday, home to Oklahoma State at Baylor, and then against Oklahoma to wrap up the season. So, you know, if they can split those, they're 8-10. and 10, They're probably in the big dance, still has that 8 seed. That's where I would say Rodney Terry finds his team. But they're not scaring anybody right now. And considering how they looked at the end of last season, very different story. Welcome in. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports, covering the Big 12. Thanks for being here. Hit the thumbs up if you're just watching this video right now. You're just joining us. Hit that thumbs up right below on YouTube. We appreciate you doing that. And of course, uh, on the podcast, leave that five-star rating and review. Takes you 30 seconds and a huge way to help this show, which we greatly appreciate you doing. Um, Around the Big 12, you get some other surprises here. There's three games left I want to touch on that were surprises in many ways. UCF beat Texas Tech. Now, UCF was favored at tip-off in this game, which is nuts. I hammered Tech, and I got my butt kicked after UCF won by 14 points. I didn't see it coming. But I'll tell you what. I mean, Pop Isaacs is struggling, and he's struggling mightily. And let me just share some of these numbers with you here. Not just on Saturday, where he was 3 of 12 from the field and 1 of 8 from three-point range. You look at these last couple of games, and he just hasn't been the guy. Here are the field goal um, percentages from Pop Isaacs going back the last few games. 25, 36, 18, 11, 15. That's going back over two weeks now. That is just a brutal stretch. His three-point shooting over that stretch, 12.5, 0, 0, 16, 20. I, I mean, Pop can't buy a bucket these last couple of weeks. Amazingly, Tech is 3-2 and two over that stretch. Um, but, you know, still, that's got to concern you a little bit if you're a Texas Tech fan going into this game. Uh, so UCF, which still may have a shot at getting itself into some madness. I, I'm looking at these three games, and I see three teams, UCF, Kansas State, and Cincinnati who are on the outside looking in, but could find themselves, if the last couple of weeks of the season go right, squarely in the mix for a bid in the NCAA tournament. So UCF gets a win it desperately needed, and when you look at the UCF slate here going forward, uh, let's see what they've got these last couple of games. UCF will take on Oklahoma State on the road, Iowa State at home, Houston at home, TCU on the road. UCF probably has to win three of four with a win over Iowa State or Houston to find itself in a position going into the Big 12 tournament where they can backdoor their way in. They can't go two and two. They can't lose to Iowa State and Houston. They got to beat one of them to have their chance. Kansas State beats top 25 BYU on Saturday in Manhattan. That's a very good win uh, for Kansas State, which is now six and eight in Big 12 play. And listen, Kansas State is not getting any consideration right now from Joe Linardi for getting in to the uh, NCAA tournament. But once again, K-State snaps this three-game losing streak. They've got West Virginia coming up on Monday at Cincinnati, two very winnable games, and then KU and Iowa State to wrap the season. Can they win three or four? If they win three or four, they're 9-9 nine and nine in the conference. They'll have a win over either KU or Iowa State. And they'll go into the Big 12 tournament with a record of 19-12 and 12, and 9-9 nine and nine in the Big 12. I think that should be enough in this conference with how tough it is to get in. Of course, a lot of it depends on the automatic bids and who else does what around the country. But if Kansas State can put together a nice stretch here, uh, they may find themselves in a position. And for K-State, I mean, they were drained, they were draining it from three-point range, but they were also just efficient. They weren't overdoing it from three-point range. They shot 47%, but they only took 15 threes. Meantime, BYU was bombs away. 31 three point attempts for BYU, and they hit six. Under 20%. I mean, that is just brutal. Right? So you look at that and you say to yourself, gosh, K-State was efficient from the floor. They were able to get it inside, um, and they were able to have themselves an outstanding, outstanding victory. Arthur Kaluma had himself a game, 28 points, 10 boards. That's the kind of stuff you want to see from this Kansas State team as uh, they try to put together something down the stretch that gets them in a, into a position to possibly make the big Dance now for BYU. They are in it. They're a six seed right now in the West, per Joe Lenardi. So uh, you know, disappointing loss for a BYU fan. But listen, this has been the tale for BYU this year. They went on their home court, they lose on the road, and that's what we saw again on Saturday. Now Cincinnati had itself a rough loss. Cincinnati was in this game, and TCU pulled away late. They beat Cincinnati seventy-five to fifty-seven. And I thought Cincy really needed that game after its loss to Oklahoma State during the week to just bounce back, feel good about itself, get a good win against an NCAA tournament team, and they couldn't do it at TCU. And here's the thing. A lot of their losses have been close, and that's what makes this blowout loss that much more disappointing. I liked Cincy to cover the 5.5 at TCU. It looked pretty good there for most of the game until the final— you know, 10-ish minutes, 8 to 10 minutes. Um, But Cincinnati is now 5-9 and after uh, this loss to TCU. So TCU's in the tournament. They're a 9 seed right now. But what's interesting is Cincinnati, according to Joe Lenardi, let me make sure I've uh, got this right here because I was looking at Lenardi's stuff uh, this morning. Let me make sure I have this right. Lenardi has them in his either next four out or first four out. Let me see here as of Sunday morning. He's got Cincinnati now in the next four out on Sunday morning. So that's a place that Kansas State is not, and that's a place that UCF is not. So technically, of those three teams, Cincinnati, Kansas State, and UCF, each were trying to make it 10 Big 12 teams in the tournament. Right now, the Big 12 has nine in per Lenardi. Cincinnati technically has the best chance to do it, even though they had themselves a tough loss. But their stretch here at Houston on Tuesday, and then K State, Oklahoma, West Virginia. I mean, if they can go to Houston and win, God bless them. That's enormous. I'm not going to put my mortgage on it, but that changes the equation for Cincinnati. That K-State game next week, and it's probably an elimination game for those two teams when it comes to the big dance, at Oklahoma, home to West Virginia. They can win three of four, but they could also lose three of four. And that's what makes the Big 12 so crazy and so unpredictable. When you look at this league and everything going on in the Big 12 conference right now. These are some wild times, and um, we're just here following them at Heartland College Sports, but it's looking like Joey Brackets has the Big 12 with nine teams in right now. That is more than any other conference. The SEC has seven, the Big 10 has six, the Mountain West has six, Big East has five, ACC has five, A10 has two, and the Pac-12 has two. So it's not even close when you talk about the best conference in the country right now. It's the Big 12, and then it's everybody else. But i'm I'm selfish. I want to get ten in. I'm not gonna lie. I want to see the big twelve get double digit teams in to the NCAA tournament. So that means either Cincinnati, UCF, or Kansas State have to get it done. And whichever one of those three want to do it, I'll sign up for. But also what they're also vying for now are double buys and buys in the big twelve tournament. Don't overlook that. That will matter. Come the middle of March as we get set for the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City, which is going to be an absolutely outstanding scene. So uh, we appreciate you guys being here. Thanks for being a part of the show. Hit that thumbs up. Subscribe on YouTube. Thank you for being here. And on the podcast, leave that rating, review, and subscribe. We'll get you hooked up with a free Heartland College sports koozie when you send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M U N D O at heartlandcollegesports.com and hop on those free message boards. We're there. Go to the homepage, click on the members forum tab and sign up. We'll see you guys on the forums and we'll talk to you soon. Big 12 basketball is heading down the home stretch and we're going to be your home for it the rest of the way. We'll talk to you soon. Take care and go Big 12.